People deluded, I'm back again. Welcome back to another edition of my podcast, The Deluded Podcast. I know I go crazy at this YouTube stuff and whatnot, but it's important to diversify myself and branch out to other platforms. And saying that, people, speaking of platforms and stuff, on YouTube I've hit 14,000 subscribers. That might not be a lot to anyone, but to me that's the world. It might as well be 14 million. It's nice to see people... Whether they agree, disagree or whatever, they find my content somewhat intriguing. And from the bottom of my heart, if you're subscribed, if you're a regular supporter of my content, however frequently you view my stuff, whatever club you support, from the bottom of my heart, people, it means the world. Thank you very much, especially for a person like me who hasn't necessarily excelled at anything in their life. And I wouldn't say I'm excelling at YouTube, but it's nice to see that that guy's good at something, isn't it? Like, if you, you know, I can... Alright, at something. It's not. Ni- it's never nice for a human to know they're not good at anything, can it? But that's for another day. Moving on. Arsenal are actually about to play in the Europa League in just over an hour or so. But I'm home from work, and I thought I'd kick off my podcast and whatnot. I'd actually like to begin it with um, Heskey. Now I'm not going to lie to you, lot of people. I wanted to speak about this last week, but I just didn't include it. But um, Heskey, now Heskey's obviously a fairly accomplished player, Leicester, Liverpool played for England and all of these sort of things there. Um, he's spoken in regards, in regards to, in regards, in regards, in regards to why he hasn't pursued a career in coaching. Now, as we know, people, ironically, it is Black History Month. Um, there is a lack of black coaches for whatever reason. There is points on all sides. Um, we'll get into it, but... As much as I feel that the barriers are broken, things are in place, old boys club, all of these things that stop people, not just necessarily um, ethnic minorities, but people from different classes in life, stops them from elevating as opposed to their peers who might not be as talented, but they get somewhere. The other side to that is people have to keep trying. I know I'm not faulting him at all, people, because what he says in this thing, I've heard it from professional footballers with my own ears. I've heard people at all levels, such as myself, say it. I've even said these things more or less as well. So I just thought it'd be interesting. But enough of me rambling on about what we're talking about and actually get onto it. And I believe Heskey has said... Let me make sure I'm not missing anything else out, people. Apologies. Really unprofessional. But here we go. I was born in 1978. So you can imagine what my parents went through. I remember the signs... No blacks, no Irish, no dogs. I've dealt with it for so long, I've almost desensitised to it. You act aggressively if you heard it. You know the guys who says it can't get away with it. But the thing is, he can get away with it. Not just in football, but I could go to cricket and get abused. And he's also... So people, as you've seen there, that's, that's quite hard-hitting people. I mean, for me... I'm happy that obviously I've dealt with racism in my 24 years, but it's not as it is in my face, but it's not in my face like that. I mean, for me and Irish people as well, I can feel it for them, even though I've not got any Irish in me unless, you know, colonial powers invading nations and that. But um, to be no blacks, no Irish, no dogs, it's like you see us and Irish is less than worse than animals. It's like I can't put into words how crazy it is. And I, I. it's almost invisible tears to hear he's desensitised to it because I'm sure every ethnic minority, anyone that's been marginalised in any way, can can sympathise and, and can put themselves in their sho- in his shoes. Um, apparently, he's gone on to say um, he's had roles at Mansfield, I believe, and Bolton, and he's got his level two, but he said, the opportunities are not going to be there. You have to show a desire, probably more so than a white person. I grew up watching John Barnes, Ian Wright, people like that. Where are they in the coaching pyramid for me to aspire to be? There is no real avenue there. The decision makers. Where is my role model up there? My role models are people I can relate to. People who look like me. I don't see it in the in the pyramid. Now, people, I feel exactly how he feels. Now, obviously, people you aspire to don't necessarily have to look like yourself or be from a place like yourself. But let's be honest, people. I, I do step into buildings and I look at places. And sometimes just in my, making my way in football like like I am trying to... I sit in the room and I really deep things and you can't help but think about these things. You can't you can't help but think I, I can't see anybody like me or people from from a reality like myself, so how can I do it? Obviously, someone's gotta be the one to try and break it, and that's what I'm trying to do in my life in some way, shape or form, and I hope you are too. But I fully agree. I'm not necessarily you can't disagree or or have any you know, you can't this ain't 
all of these feelings that people present are valid people some people looking at it almost demoralized it's like i know i could do it but it's like the decision makers ain't gonna bring man the um old guards club and old boys club sorry and all these people are not gonna bring me in it, is there a choice like at the end of the day i need to i need to pay my bills and whatnot now hesky is a professional footballer but put yourselves in probably your shoes listening to this people listening to my podcast or myself where you're not a professional footballer and you're looking at it yeah the ability is there yeah the desire is there but like it's who you know people it's like you have to get to know these people but it's who you know it's like you can have all the level threes and all of these things and it's all mad people like i got my talent id level two i'm trying to make inroads but who said dg come do this thing no one people do you get it that's how mad it is but continuing um sorry people i'm reading my own notes he said he's gone on to say sorry you go to the England youth setups. Sixty percent of the players are black. The FA are doing little are doing a little bit to help now, including BAME coaches. But is that tokenism? Now, to be fair, I'm not defending the FA in any any way, shape, or form. We know there is tokenism and all of these sort of things. Ticking boxes are valid, but I, to a degree, I know the FA can do much more. But when people are doing something, we can't. We can complain, but it's like you got to give and take. It's like they're trying. We can't. We can't say the doors ain't being bust and then say, oh, it's this and that to a degree, people. I'm sure the intelligent ones out there will listen. Um, he's gone on to say, I applaud them for trying, but are they just putting some in to say he's he's the face for black people? We don't just want a face. I don't want to be there for tokenism. I want to work. I want someone to say to me, you can make a difference. I would love to help kids. A lot of things I, I have in, I've included, even some of my best weight mates won't know about that. You had to hide stuff because you are masculine on the pitch. I absolutely loved it. Off the pitch, I struggled a lot. So that's sad, people. That's And there's obviously a lot of connotations in history with black people not having emotions and the black male and all of these things, all the experiments that used to happen to them with doctors. I think that is one thing. You're, you're expected to show no emotion in general as males, but especially as black males, you're expected to show no emotion. And especially in the face of racism, it's always don't react to it. Turn the other cheek. And yeah, you might look like the more classy individual. And I'm not saying commit any acts, people. But every incident that you have to withhold, it chips away at you. It chips and chips and chips and chips away at you. And that's what he said at the beginning. He's become desensitised to it. First time he was called, you know, N-word or any other thing you can imagine, sadly... He probably was shocked and he probably still shocked if he's called it tomorrow as would i be but it's like it's not water for ducks back people but nothing's gonna change and it's it's sad because hesky's got a lot to offer the game people really if he done his coaching badges and progressed i mean he could i mean he's he's played for england he's played for liverpool he's played for leicester he knows how it is people he can do shooting practice and all of these sort of things there people and it's true, man. It's like, for me, I, I see Les Ferdinand. I don't really see people at top positions. Like, I dream of a day where a black manager wins the Premier League, people. That would mean a lot to me, people. Because it's colour doesn't mean anything, people. But it's just, just to know that somebody like yourself is there. Like, it's, and that can inspire the next person. Do you get it, people? Like, that's what I'm big on in all walks of life. Like, even you listening to this, you what you could do in your life, you might not think it does something, but one person might see it on TV or see see what you're doing and they, they, you, they're going home with their mum on the bus and they see you at work and they might be inspired by that, people. You never know these sort of things, man. And it's sad, man. I really hope Esky's been able to look... I want to say find peace because you shouldn't have to find peace with racists, but like he said, he struggled off the pitch. I hope he's able to have found some sort of peace and get some sort of help and all of these sort of things there, people. I'm sure you know what I'm speaking about. So let's carry on. These are my old notes. Let's see if we've got anything else, people. I believe I had some notes about mental health. And let me try and find it for you lot. Mental health in football. I had some points. But it made me think, people, yeah. Obviously, with social media, I do believe in the next... Probably now already, but in the next couple of years, I'd say by the time I'm 50, in the same way you've got diabetes and all of these things, within a degree, you're going to have legitimate diseases caused by Snapchat, Instagram and all of these things. Granted, they're going to be more psychological than obviously, but I genuinely believe that people. And it makes me think, one, when will content start? I don't think content can ever be regulated, but when will content ever be regulated? Like, I I know there's probably some ways around copyrights and whatnot, but you know when memes and faces and all these things go viral and sometimes even companies are using them, is there... Is it going to get to a point where everyone's going to have to copyright their face? If you want to use my thing, you got to pay me sort of thing. Do you get it? Like, I really... 
I'm concerned about the scope on which everything is going to and I'm going to have to be a part of it because obviously we've deluded to a fair degree. Um, obviously, we know there's obviously problems with the, with Instagram and stuff, people living fake lives. You know, I've seen brother people, I've seen people put on their brother's Louboutins and they're acting up on Snap and then and Instagram. And this starts a lot of things because people, my mother always told me in life, people, don't watch what people have because you don't know how they got it. And that's where people go wrong. You might see someone balling with the lubes and stuff, but it's their brothers. Now, if your brother gave you the lubes, there's nothing wrong with that. If you know, I wish I had an older brother to hand me them things down in school, like some of the men them had. But if you're watching what he's got, you're going to be like, damn, he's got peas. What am I doing? Blah, blah, blah. I think that's a problem with social media as well, people. But in relation to football, it's, it's mad. Don't you think it's mad, people? Because it's like there's no escaping for footballers now. Football's 24-7. Obviously, if you saw footballers and things happened and and stuff, but it was really it was the TV and it was and it was the newspapers, really. People now we're see you like I remember when Thierry Henry went to Barcelona, for example. People I only saw that in the newspaper and the internet and the internet and stuff was starting to come about them times. Um, but you go now, we're getting to a point where Lucas Torreira, we don't just know he's signing for Arsenal. People are tracking the train, his plane, sorry, and train tickets. And they're knowing his brother, his brother followed this thing and they done that. So that means he's coming. Football is mad. It's, it's lovely. Don't get twisted because the major news stations, you'd argue, almost the last to find out about these things now. But it's scary, people. It's like there's no turning off from football. Mistakes happen in football. People get ripped. But it's like, take Mustafi for example now. Obviously, I don't think he should be at Arsenal because he's not good enough. But from a human perspective, he's playing in the sport, so it happens. But when everybody, every moment is telling you you're rubbish, you're this, you're that, you're this, you're that, you're the other people. You're going on YouTube and Twitter and there's nothing wrong. With, if you play rubbish, you play rubbish and people made clips. It's football. You, you're playing football. People are recording. These things happen. But you're seeing these clips of you getting ripped and stuff. Now, Mustafi seems strong mentally. And I'm not criticising people that are weaker mentally, for example. But... Like, what is going to happen? It scares me. I don't want to say, I hope this never happens, but could we be in a scope one day where potentially somebody commits suicide, a footballer commits suicide or something happens, people? I hope to God that doesn't happen. I hope I'm tweaking and whatnot, but we could get to that. You obviously had um, Dean Henderson making the mistakes. Now, he recovered against Arsenal, but there's that. You obviously got Gerard Dembobar. Now, don't get me wrong, that was lovely, but it's there for life. Once it's started on the internet, it's there for life, like, it's crazy, people, man. It's, 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 I think it's mad. Like, I think it's... The internet is mad, people. Be my thing, people. The internet is mad. Like, I, I, It's going to be a crazy few years, man. It's going to be a crazy few years looking into the future. I'm not even going to lie to you lot, people. But um, moving on with it, yeah. Let's talk about it. You know what? Let's move to the Champions League quick. Now... I'm sure you will watch the. I'm sure you will watch the Champions League. I saw the highlights for the games I didn't watch. Firstly, I want to actually speak about Liverpool now. I believe they won four one, right? Now, as an Arsenal fan, I'm jealous because I'm not saying our attack is necessarily better than theirs because they got some great players. But I'm seeing not even just the ability of the players. I'm seeing the the count not the counter attacking, but away from all of that. The way Salamone, Firmino, everybody's on the same wavelength. Like everybody knows. Like there was one goal. I'm sh- I can't remember who finished it, but every man touched the ball and like it was mad. Like obviously saw Firmino bringing out the party tricks, but just for me the patterns of play, the movement, everybody like you you people underestimate. For me people underestimate partnerships in football, like understanding your teammate, like because because look back to you lot. I'm sure you lot watch me because you've played football in it and you can relate to these grassroots things. I'm sure many of you yeah. When you played, you like to play with certain players more than others. Like, I was a right back. There were certain wingers I like to play with more. Don't get me twisted. I like to play with wingers who track back more. But um, there were certain wingers that I preferred to play because I knew when he gets the ball, he's going to drive inside. I'm going to make the overlap. I'm going to take a defender with me. Someone can utilise that space. Or I know he's going to try to find me with a um, reverse pass or something. Or I know what he's on. You know, when you play, mainly when you play with your friends, you know you're all on the same wavelength and stuff. Don't get twisted, there's always one you, and Carmelo, you know who you are. That's his last name. You don't play on the same wavelength as all the men when we're at Power League. I'm not going to lie to you, bro. You think you're Quadraldo. You try to do things above your pay grade. I love you, my guy. But there's piano pushers and piano players. You're a piano pusher, my guy. But on a serious note, banter aside, I love him to death. Um, I think people underestimate partnerships, people. Now, Liverpool moving mad. Like, they moved mad. They won. They've been a bit shaky in the Champions League, so it was a vital three points. 
And before I carry on, shout out to the former player Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. I know he signed for the rivals. I know banter aside, for me, it's nice to see him fit and playing football now and able to try and contribute into Liverpool's side. Now, I know the next step for him now is, OK, you're back from your injury, you're fully fit. Can you get in this midfield? Because people might lack, say, Liverpool lack creativity and these things, but does Henderson necessarily deserve to be dropped? Liverpool fans can answer that. I don't... look As an outsider looking in, I think Wijnaldum's a bad boy, innit? I don't think he's world-class and all these things, but guys like Wijnaldum show when fans are just gassing name brand because obviously Wijnaldum, he weren't a big name, but I would say he was a bigger name respective to the clubs he was at than, than Liverpool. Like, he's a key player for Liverpool, but... He's not necessarily a star at Newcastle to a degree. It was the Vinaldum show, innit? I think he shows it's not about name brand because he's box to box, can contribute scoring goals. Definitely gets into Arsenal's midfield as well. But Liverpool's mad. So it's about showing up for Ox. It's about showing, can I contribute more than Vinaldum? Can I do that? Like, what is it on? Um, you never know, people. It's about that now. But it's nice to see banter aside, rivalries and that, that Alex Oxley chamberlain is allowed to just be fit and free and carrying carrying on his occupation as a professional footballer now. Forgive me if I'm wrong, I don't know about this squad, but was he has he been called up to the England squad recently? I'm not too sure. Either way, because of injury, he hasn't. Now I'm sure, like Callum hudson Doy, bear plays, you're looking at that Euros and it's important just to think about the league and if you concentrate on how you're playing in the league and doing your thing, it's not as black and white as this, but Southgate and the plaudits will come and people will recognise what you're on and what you're doing. But... I think first and foremost, he's got to get in that Liverpool side. But I'm sure he's thinking of the Euros, man. So it's nice to see Alex Oxford Chamberlain fit. Um, so shout out to him. Now, I watched the Real Madrid game, people. Galatasaray, they could have they could have done all right. It shocks me how good Barbo is. Still, you know, people. Barbo still got it, you know. Like, Barbo was moving mad. Like, Barbo was sick. Can't lie, Madrid looking a bit shaky. Hazard still looking a bit rusty. Still looking like he's got a, like get a bit fitter really and and just be a bit more galvanised at Madrid like you can't really play within yourself because you know the Madrid fans and the question marks and all them things but they got over the line against Galatasaray so big three points for them Barcelona I don't know how Suarez squeezed that ball in but he did his thing Barcelona was a good game for the neutrals because um, Prague gave it Slavia Prague gave it to them and they scored and whatnot and if they just had a bit more quality and were switched on they might have got something from the game like, a couple Barcelona players, not going to lie, they looked a bit nervous, you know. I can't even lie, people, but, yeah. Obviously, Chelsea got vital three points, and Chelsea, everything's going great for Chelsea. As an Arsenal fan, you're sour, really, because the young players, are, obviously, our young players are doing our dating as well, but the young players at Chelsea are doing their thing. They're winning games in all comps. Everything is great for Chelsea right now, and it was a big three points for Chelsea, especially considering, forgive me if I'm wrong, Leo and Valencia drew as well, and... Valencia and Chelsea, it was looking a bit mad then. Obviously, it's, a, it's almost a double benefit for Chelsea because they took points off the league, their group winners, sorry, um, Ajax. And like I said, it's a big three points and it was a good good, good for the young players in, 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 in general. Now, Dybala had to save the day for Juventus against Moscow and Juventus, I'm sure they want to play a bit more convincing than that, really. Um, Bayern Munich tried to scare us going behind and whatnot and, um, in their game. I know a lot of mandem in my group chat were stressed people about the accumulators and whatnot, but Madrid did, did their thing against Olympiacos winning 3-2 or whatever. Now, to be fair, like, I knew no one, like, I guess mathematically Olympiacos can technically still go through, but, and Spurs have been a bit shaky themselves, but looking at Spurs, you'd expect regardless Spurs to get through that group, I lie people. Um... But I think Olympiacos, when you look at the performance, they lost. But when you look at the performance against Bayern Munich, 3-2, they, they did got a decent performance in against Chelsea, against Spurs, sorry. think they can, you know, they've done all right in the Champions League. And um, I'm not watching that group religiously to be suggesting any players, people. But if the cynical scout in me is thinking, is there a couple of players in that Olympiacos squad that might get moved to Premier League teams or elsewhere? Because, for instance, I swear that... That winger, I don't know his name. Like I said, I'm not watching them people. I'm not. You not know me. I'm never gonna sit here and lie to you lot. But there's one winger that played well against Spurs. I saw in the highlights when they faced each other, and he um he was linked with Arsenal and a couple other clubs. I don't know his name. I'm the Greek man. Them know who it is and whatnot. But he he decent. So there must be a couple players there. Obviously, Arsenal. We've had a couple of ca academy prospects that didn't make the grade that were from Greece. I'm not sure if it's true still, but I'm sure we had a Greek like a little 
thing going in Greece where we was bringing players over that was decent and whatnot. Obviously, we signed Mavropanos, however. So we must know about these Greek players, or I hope we do and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, man, that's that's decent for them. PSG, Kylian Mbappe, what more can I say? The guy's a monster. Like, he's he's a... Him and that Highland... I, I don't... I think Mbappe's levels above Highland people, but they them young players, it, it, just, it just shocks you, like, what they're doing respective to their careers. It just shocks you, like... Mbappe's going to be a madness. Like, I was having this debate at work, like, is Mbappe better than Messi at that age or them kids' ages and whatnot? I said, nah, because people need to remember Messi weren't... Like, Messi now, but Messi was pretty, you know, like, Messi was hard, like, you gotta remember what Messi was on, like, the only time I say you could debate is when the real Messi fans remember when he was, like, number 30 something and he was wearing them, them Tiempos, you remember, you know the basic Tiempos, the, the black ones, black and white ones, the basic ones, I know you lot remember that, but Killian's serious, man, serious, man, closest thing I got in the game to Henri, I mean, I love his playing style, I think in terms of playing style, I love who would I, I say? Playing style, I think Neymar and Dembele might be my most enjoyable players right now, people. I, you know, I, I, I played a lot of cage football. I like to try all of them things. Like, I can't do none of their skills. I'm, I'm a right back, really and truly, people. That's doing things above my pay grade, but is all it is. Um, <clears throat> Marat has saved Atletico Madrid's bacon, obviously, with a late winner against Bayern Leverkusen. 1 0 win there. Um, they did their thing. I saw the highlights of the Salzburg-Napoli game, I believe, and Merton scored some good goals. Again, Highland just scoring goals, and he's probably going to get a move. And in today's market, who knows what price tag they're going to get for him. Now, shout-out to Raheem Sterling. Hat-trick, lovely goals. Um, the only bad thing about that City result is, for, I think the ref got Adam Air, but Foden was being silly and just got, got an unnecessary reg. He didn't have to get that, really and truly. Um... So, obviously, they put in a good shot. I think um, Atlanta play good football, but they're clearly not going to progress in the Champions League. At least it doesn't look like because they can't defend. Their statistics prior to the game suggested they can't defend. So, it's a bit mad. Benfica beat Lyon. Now, Lyon have just had a bit of a mare of a season, people, really. They've got rid of their manager. They drew in the league at the weekend. They've lost to Benfica now. So, it's looking disappointing. And I know Lacazette's at Arsenal now, but he must be stressed right now himself for his old club, really. Um, so there's that. What else we got, people? Who else? Um, sh what should we move on to? Should we? There's nothing else in the Champions League that I really want to talk about. If I'm honest, with, if I'm completely honest with you, people. Um, should we speak about where is Jacka? Where is Jacka's comments, man? I need to find that. I'll find that later, people. I got. I'm so sure I've got Jacka's comments in relation to Evra, people. But um. I'll find that later. But um, what I'd like to speak about, people, Petit is moving a bit mad, really. Um, Petit is moving a, a bit a bit mad, really, and truly with with, with his comments and whatnot, people. Um, he has said... Now, you know, you don't know. Petit says it how it is, people. Petit's a real guy. Petit, you know, it's best just to let me tell you exactly what he said. I can understand why many Arsenal supporters are losing patience with Unai Emery. As a manager, he has had a bad record away from home. Not just with Arsenal, but also while he was in Spain. The starting eleven he picked against Sheffield United was strange. It's difficult after an international break when you have teams that don't have as many players involved in international fixtures. But you know what to expect when you go to Bramall Lane. You know the qualities of the Sheffield United team. They fight, especially in front of the old crowd, and they get balls into the box, into their home crowd, sorry, and they get balls into the box and put pressure on that set pieces. That's what they did against Liverpool and Chelsea. But more importantly, they didn't show any technical quality on the pitch. They gave away so many simple balls and had no inspiration, imagination or creativity. They looked so heavy. Oh, he's speaking about Arsenal. That's mad. This isn't Arsenal. You need to take the ball and show what you got. Take it away, Petit, man. This is mad, like. And clearly, I'm, this is the first time I'm reading this, people. And he said, But I haven't seen that in years. Nothing has changed since Wenger left. Emery wants to build from the back. Like against Watford, when they were leading 2-0 before making stupid mistakes because they, they tried to follow Emery's instructions. Some of those Arsenal defenders don't have the technical quality to do that. Or if they do, they don't have the character to do it. Teams like City can do that because their players aren't scared. But most of these players, when they feel someone at their back 
whoa, it's a problem. Now, that's facts, people, whatever way you shape it. What do I say in all my vids? First and foremost, it's going down to the coaching. It's a double-edged sword because they're listening to the coach. If you don't listen to the coach, you're not going to be in the team, people, regardless of your opinions on individual players. If you don't listen to what the team... Regardless if I believe or you believe they should have better game management and kind of solve it themselves, if you don't listen to the manager, you're not going to be in the team, people. But a double-edged sword to that is they can be smarter, yes, but... For me, there's no intent with how we play out from the back. There's nothing wrong. It's like when he was playing free at the back. And admittedly, it was the start of his tenure. So I wasn't really on his case as much. But there's nothing wrong with playing free at the back. There's nothing wrong with playing ball playing, doing the ball playing thing. The problem is, one, yes, they need to have the character and the quality to do it. But there needs to be the intent. And that comes to the coaching. There's no idea. It's like we get the first phase spot on. It's like the fullbacks pull out, centre-half show, Jacques Orgondosi or whatever they both um, show from midfield. Um, we get that pass right, but it's, there's no tempo to it. There's no intent. Like the whole point of playing out from the back is to eventually provoke a goal-scoring opportunity. Why is Jacka not getting it and then trying to find Aubameyang? Obviously not every time, people. We're not trying to do them things every time, but it's slow and it's rigid and whatnot. As much as I believe the players have to have character to be on the ball, and I was actually optimistic about Pepe and Ceballos coming in, and actually for as, as much of a train wreck Luis can be, they're three players that you'd describe as going into this Arsenal team as respective to what they do, as brave on the ball, whatever they respectively do for all criticisms and whatnot. But there's no real movement in, in, in front. Like We know teams are going to sit back against us nine times out of ten. And I'm really having a hard time seeing what this team Arsenal is about because we're conceding, we're making less interceptions. We talk about being aggressive and pressing and all these things. And we've shown it in a couple games. But... We're making, we've made 72 interceptions, which is the lowest in the league. We're allowing record shots at our goal. I'm not even going to bring the statistics. You lot have watched my other footage. We're, we're allowing record opponent shots at our goal. We're shooting at record lows at opponent's goals. So what are we doing? We're not see, look sounding like a team that's great defensively. We're not sounding like a team that's necessarily great offensively. Yes, Aubameyang is a bad boy and Aubameyang is saving our bacon, people. He is scoring goals. But again, real fans know... It's not necessarily Aubameyang's goals are, judging, are, are masking his own performance because he's doing what he can in adversity, playing out wide, crossing. He, he's he got the most crosses. He's, he's, I think Tierney is Tierney and then it's uh, Aubameyang for crosses in our team. Why is Aubameyang up there? He should be on the end of it. He's done well. But are we necessarily getting the best out of Aubameyang for his skill set, pace in behind? If we had a bit more attacking intent and a bit more as a blueprint as a team, could he show up? Could we get more goals out of him? Could he? I know he must be looking around and like, boy, like, Laka, it's just me and you, you know, like, two, two, Ceballos and maybe Ozil if he's there and a couple other men, but there's not really, like, this is kind of rubby, you know, like, surely, surely. And with all due respect to Sheffield, like, Sheffield, they know they're not going to, as rubbish as Arsenal are, they know they're not going to out, they did, but they know going into the game. If they try to come and pass and do all that typical Arsenal stuff, they're not going to get their result. And we, I know Petit ain't getting at them, but that's not Sheffield United's problem. Like, they are not about that. Their skill set is to be um, superb defensively because they've got good records defensively, exploit set pieces because they've got excellent, um, good good um, set piece, um, scoring from set pieces and exploiting them, being compact, gamesmanship, which the fair on the fair side of it, and exploiting possible weaknesses or well documented weaknesses per se, within this Arsenal lineup, people. So they can't be begrudged for that, really, people. It's a bit of an open book. And I know people saying give Emery time. And I'm not when I say I'm not giving him time right now, it's not say that I'm saying you need to get sacked tomorrow. I think sacking Emery tomorrow would be stupid because the league is still there to be played. What I need to see is some blueprint. Rome wasn't built in a day, but I need to see some cement, some bricks. Like, for me, the big one was defensively. Like, I'm not saying... We know we've had injuries and these things, but I wanted us to be to a point, and that's why I was saying it in all my vids in pre-season, where I could confidently say now, oh, Holding's over his injury, Bellerin's back and that, Tierney's coming in. When these men come in, our defence will be patterned. But I can't say that, people, and I know you can't either, because there's no system in place at Arsenal right now to say defensively, when these men come in, it says white and black has better individuals means we're going to do better. Van Dijk could come into this team, people. Of course, he is a superb, world-class centre-half. He is better and we will play better as a result. 
But he will be a part of this Arsenal madness and stuff. Because you think Van Dijk could defend to this level if Tierney, not Tierney, sorry, Robertson and Trent and, and Matip and all of them didn't understand how a defence works, people. And the midfield weren't putting in work. You know, it don't make sense, does it, people? Really, sit there and think about it. It don't make sense. It don't. So I wanted to see that. Like, I, I've... It was only pre-season and people were telling me it's pre-season. I didn't care about the result in pre-season, people. What I cared about was we're not looking like, OK, we're, we're like I wanted to concede goals, not concede goals, people. But, you know, if we was conceding goals and I could say, OK, previously Arsenal concede goals, man, are flat footed, just switched off. But I said, all right, cool. He read the play. He tried to do this. He tried head or, he, you know, he tried to do a thing, but we let it down. Like, he just it just didn't happen for us. And I could say, all right, cool. We're learning this sort of thing. And then defensively would have been a great platform with Leno as well. Then you pattern off the midfield. And then we speak about, which is actual urgency, and I spoke about already, the Aubameyans, Lacazette, Pepe's and whatnot. Because even Pepe, for as much criticism as you give him, people, he's, people might give him, what attacking player at Arsenal is really excelling, excluding Aubameyang and the fact that he's a predator in front of goal, a savage in front of goal. Are we necessarily as excelling to our full potential on an offensive, in general, but on an offensive front? And I don't think many Arsenal fans, if they're being honest, can say we are. Because we're not. Because if we wasn't, we wouldn't be sitting here saying it's all flat, it's in front, it's this, it's that. We beat Bournemouth and a lot of people saying, shut up, man, you're third, you're third. And that's cool. But we was atrocious. Bournemouth take their chances, it's another day. Just like against Sheffield. If Sheffield, there was a point Sheffield barely had any shots. So if they didn't take that free, that they didn't score from that set piece, it might have been a nil-nil. Or they might have scored from another one. This is all ifs and buts. But they did. And that's why we have to speak about it. We can't shut up about things when things are going right. Because when things go right, it's extremely good. Remember, we went 22 games unbeaten people. But when it goes wrong, it goes wrong. So it's important to be balanced. Don't have these agendas and all of these mad sort of things that people carry on and go on, on with. But it is what it is. Moving on from that, people. Um, let's put the Arsenal, let's put Arsenal to the side for a sec, man. Let's 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 put Arsenal to the side for a sec. And get on to couple Premier League fixtures. Now, that can't be everybody playing. So let me get my phone out. Clearly, I didn't print off everything. Apologies, people. But um, we might as well speak about the Premier League fixtures, man. Like I was going to keep going on about Arsenal, people. But you know, at some point, I'm going to pause this and we're going to get right back into it because Arsenal are going to play in the Europa League. So it don't make sense me talking about the other things. Plus, I'm not going to lie to you lot, people. I haven't got my camera connected and I kind of want to connect my camera and I speak about that, put two, two things on YouTube. You know, we got to do that. But tomorrow, Southampton are playing Leicester now. People, Friday night football, it's a madness. Because of Southampton's form, again, football's not one on paper, but you'd probably say if you was betting your life on that, Leicester probably going to get three points or play quite well in that. Now, I would love to actually see Leicester's home form and all of these sort of things, people. Well, in fact, looking at the statistics, Southampton have only won. Um, well, sorry, Southampton have won their last Premier League game against Leicester, which was in January, um, when they won two one, and they're looking to secure consecutive wins over them for the first time since two thousand one. Leicester have won their last two away games against Southampton more than they had in their first eleven such games against them, winning one, drawing five, and also losing five. Southampton have been shown five red cards in the Premier League against Leicester again and that's more than any other side they obviously got a red card against them last season um they've never had a player sent off in three consecutive games against an opponent in 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 the competition um a bit of a weird one Leicester have never won a Premier League game on a Friday having played seven winning none drawing two and losing five playing more games on that day of the week without winning more without winning more than any other other side so that's a bit of a weird one Southampton obviously winless in their last six Premier League home games, drawing three and losing three, including four so far this season, losing three and drawing one. They obviously failed to win any of their first five last season and could become just the first side in history to do so in consecutive top flight campaigns. So they'll join Bury and QPR if they do that, which is mad. It's a bit of a crazy one day, isn't it, people? Manchester City against Villa now. If you're a Villa fan, that's almost damage limitation. Now, of course, City, forgive me if I'm wrong, have lost twice this season already, but you never know. Villa have obviously failed to score in their last seven. I mean, sorry, they failed to score in seven of their last nine against City, um, which is not promising. 
City have won nine, their last nine in the Premier League against Villa. Aggregate score of 30 to four goals, which is mad. You'd expect that to continue. Manchester City haven't lost consecutive home games in the league since 2016. Pep has never lost that statistic in his whole career, so you don't want it. You don't want to lose that. Aston Villa have won their last two home games more than in their last previous 20 in the competition. And I'm not going to say Villa are going to take their foot off the gas, but if I'm their manager or if I'm their players, just probably put them in the best form. They've got two wins. They probably looked at this game, well, looked at it on the calendar and said, can we get points from our first, our, well, the two games before this? And it's almost a damage limitation thing. Of course, they're going to go out there, put in a performance and try it, but it's going to be tough at the Etihad with all of their rich attacking players and the way they're playing. Like, we could sit here and name Bernardo Silva and, and, and Sterling and all of these guys, people. But um, it's going to be mad. Like, it's, you never know what can happen in football, but... It could be gazy for them if they're not careful, people. It re it really could if they're not careful. Why has my the fixtures have gone? Oh, we're back again, people. Watford obviously have Bournemouth, which could be a crazy one. Um Watford have never won in their last eight previous meetings between the two sides, drawing six and losing two. Bournemouth haven't lost that at Watford in the league since twenty thirteen. Which is crazy. I mean, no, sorry, the first stat was they haven't won in their, in their previous eight, Watford, sorry. Apparently, there's been 10 goals scored in the last two Premier League meetings between the two. So, betting people, get your bets on maybe both teams are scoring that one. Hmm. Watford are without a win in, in their opening nine fixtures this season. That's mad, man. Yeah, they are. That's mad. I swear they're 20th. That's crazy. And you'd think Watford would have been doing their thing like to be honest you would have thought Wolves as well you don't you wouldn't have thought Wolves would have been 13th um and what for definitely 20th you would have thought they would be doing similar to what Leicester's doing so shout out to Leicester and what they're doing man now who else have we got we've obviously got Wolves against Newcastle Newcastle will be in the home side yeah man I don't know what was happening there people I've been talking and it's like I wasn't talking into the mic apologies for that but I've actually lost my trail of thought and where we was, but I believe we was talking about the Premier League. Not too sure if I've already spoken about Sheffield United, Sheffield United, Southampton, sorry. I believe I have. I believe we've spoken about Villa. We've spoken about Watford and Bournemouth. Brighton versus Everton, 15th versus 16th. Brighton are 16th, Everton are 15th. Everton won at one last weekend, but their form generally has been a bit iffy. So it's it's all good winning yesterday and putting in a convin last week, sorry, and putting in a convincing performance. But your fans are going to be looking to you to do similar the next week, and if not, it's one step forward, ten steps back sort of thing. Burnley against Chelsea, I believe, um, is going to be a quite a good, quite a good game. Quite should be quite a good encounter. To be fair with you, if Burnley are actually playing Chelsea, um, I believe they are. That just doesn't look that just you know when a fixture just looks weird. Obviously, eighth versus fourth in Chelsea. Chelsea are away. You're expecting Chelsea to probably win. Chelsea Lampard's men look firmly in the Champions League spot. Obviously, you know what you're getting with Sean Dykes's men. Set pieces, rigidness, tactically listening to the manager and being difficult to break down. So it'll be a difficult game for Chelsea in theory, but they should be getting through that. Apologies, people, I'm coming down with a cold. Spoken about West Ham, Sheffield United, I'm sure. West Ham got to put a poor, dis disappointing week last week behind them. Um, who have Liverpool got? We haven't spoken about Liverpool. They've been the obvious team to miss out. <laughs> Premier League. Why is, it, why is it not showing Liverpool's results? What's going on? Liverpool versus Spurs. How can you miss that? How can you... How can you, how can you how can you forget about that, man? That's going to be a difficult game considering both teams obviously drew last week. Obviously, there's more pressure on Pochettino's men and 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 Spurs than there is Liverpool. A point would be a good point for both sides. Um, I'm just throwing that one out there. I do expect Liverpool to put in a convincing performance against them because if you look at the statistics, they're quite, they're quite telling. Football isn't one on paper, people, but Liverpool have only lost one in the last 12 meetings with Spurs people they've won both both league meetings with Spurs last season obviously they also beat them in the Champions League so does Klopp have a way of playing them and playing against them and know how to beat them if he does you also have to worry about um 
possible complacency with the players, which I don't feel will be an issue. Um, Liverpool generally have only lost just one of their of their last forty eight games in the Premier League since they lost to Manchester City in January this year two one. So Liverpool are putting in some great form. Obviously, we know Pochettino's men. They drew last week against Watford. Obviously, if VAR was different, they would have lost. They put in a convincing performance against Red Star, I believe, in the Champions League. But excluding that, consistent performances genuinely haven't been there at, at, at Spurs. So they're going to need to put in a very good performance. It can't be the same lacklustre performances they've been coming with. Um, I'm not going to say Pochettino will lose his job if they lose, but depending on the manner of the performance and if they do lose, it might be, I don't want to say the beginning of the end, but it could be the end. It could be the end, people, because you can't really see how it seems like Spurs have kind of hit a glass ceiling as far as they possibly can under Pochettino right now without significant investment or different players or whatever, people. But we'll see what happens, man. Obviously, you've got Arsenal versus Crystal Palace. That's the one I'm looking to. I'm scared of Palace, people. I'm very scared of Palace, purely because they've obviously shown they can get results off United. I'm sure I'm sure they've put in a convincing performance against the top six side, but didn't get the rub of the green. Obviously, they beat us last season. Um, for me, the concerns would probably be fullbacks because, obviously, when you speak about Palace, the first thing you're going to say is, oh, He's the first thought that comes to anybody's head. You know he's going to stay out wide. If not, well, he's going to go on the left or the right, or he's going to, primarily going to come inside. But he's going to tempt your defenders to want to foul, and he's going to look to get one v one situations, which will typically fall to the fullbacks. And for me, in the games I've seen Tierney play, he has looked solid. Yesterday he looked a bit rusty, and I can see potentially why Emre might not put him in because as a fan, we're only seeing half of it. Um, Bellerin for me is not ready and obviously I don't need to spell it out you've got Zaha you've got Ayu through the middle potentially Townsend Jeffrey Slup isn't the best of players but in terms of what he offers he's, he's quite strong and he's fairly quick what I'm getting at is these are 1v1 players so it that we do look quite weak at fullback if the two alleged first choice centre halves I mean fullback sorry against Vittoria found it tough which they did Tierney wasn't supported people I hate these people Ill. Tierney wasn't supported Tierney wasn't supported at all but I mean he found it tough and that might be something we discover about Kieran Tierney in that you see how Marcus Edwards was quite inexperienced but positive he was he was showing his good close control was taking him on maybe that's something Tierney genuinely has a problem with I don't think he's fit I think he's a bit rusty and I think when someone's playing you like that and you haven't completed the most minutes it's a good test but you're obviously going to look worse than you are I just don't think Bellerin's quite ready. He looks too, too rusty. So for me, you probably have to play Chambers at right back. And even Chambers is not an out-and-out out right back. You put it, He's done all right there, but Chambers, not an out-and-out out right back. You're playing him against... It could be anything from Zaha to AU to Slop or whatever. It spells danger. You look at the United game. Daniel James gave him quite a hard time. He came out of it without any problems, but he was given quite a hard time. Um, you know what you're going to get with Palace. They're going to be organised. Two banks of four, five in midfield. Zaha is going to look to take us on and provoke attacking situations. They're going to exploit set pieces if they can. Uh, first and second balls are important because we lost them against Victoria, even though we, we won 3-2. And we lost them the week before, in my opinion. Obviously, Zaha is playing with a point to prove. The move didn't work out. That's what's going to dominate the headlines. He's probably thought about that all week. Arsenal and Zaha. Potentially, he could even go Chelsea in the summer, in January, allegedly. Um, if Arsenal fail to win, their fans are going to have something to say, people. We've lost two of our last five meetings against them. In the first 33 games, we only drew we only drew nine, lost two and won 22. Um, it's, it's quite concerning. Palace can, can complete a bit of history if they beat us, because if they beat us... It'll be the first time they've won consecutive back-to-back -back games beat us for the first time in their history. And we know, generally, I've been, I don't like playing Palace, especially at Selhurst Park. But I would say since Emre's been here, we, we, we haven't had the best of times against them. They took four points off us last season. You have to give them big respect for that. They deserve their three, point, um, their three points. And we messed it up away from home. They deserve to get something out of the game. Um, so we, we, know what we're, we know what we're doing. Obviously... Palace also chasing back-to-back -back away Premier League wins for the first time in London derby since 1997. Arsenal have obviously scored at least twice in our last 12 home games 
in London derbies. However, in the last two against Palace and Chelsea respectively, we're winless. These are the games you've got to win. You've got to go three games in a week. You've got to see Sheffield United and say, yeah, we go there, we win. We win in the Europa and we win against a tough Palace side. Obviously, these things don't happen. We've, we've got out of jail against Palace. I mean, we got out of jail in the Europa League. We, we were poor and deserved to lose against Sheffield United. We lose against Palace and there's question marks. There's already question marks against Una Emery. So the least we can do is win that game and just shut everybody up for a week. Because if not, it's going to be the same old stories on the back pages come Monday morning. And the players will only have their self to blame people. Really, really and truly. Nobody else can save them but them. If I'm completely honest with you. I haven't got Everest comments word for word, people, about him calling us babies or whatever. Um... A lot of people have been, oh, it's disrespectful, he's this, he's that. I mean, true, it is disrespectful and it is kind of unneeded. But what do you expect? It's Everett, Man United. And to be fair, we were babies. Like, we were weak mentally around the time. We still are, but we were weak mentally around the time Everett was playing us and whatnot, people. We're playing Everett. I mean, United was playing us and Everett was part of the team where there was... Definitely since Wenger came into, this, came into England... The biggest gulf between the two, the eight twos, the Champions League, just about any time we bucked United, especially away from home, we got ripped. We was a young squad, mentally naive, probably a bit fickle, probably just unable to really hold it up and do what we need to do. So we were babies. Like we were like we were babies. So what can we say? It's not really that offensive. Obviously, I think generally Ever is having a lot to say and I I mean, when certain Uruguayans were calling you certain things you didn't have this energy or this sort of mouth so he's a bit unnecessary smug but you just have to sit and take it and for me i know it's nice to see Xhaka calling it out as quite frankly what he used as bullshit because it is bullshit if i'm Xhaka and all these players it would hurt me because ever has been a former professional and he's talking like that it would always hurt if a former professional who's been in our shoes said that um it would also hurt me because we're prideful people like we, we don't agree with what he's saying but at the same time, Ever is not relevant. Like he's not relevant to Arsenal. What he's saying might be true, but he's not relevant. So it's water for ducks back. It's not really any different from what the fans are saying. I know it's Ever Premier League, United, etc. But it's not really any different from what's being said or what was said then. Like like Jacques, the right rightly Jacques said, I mean it's not Uno Emre, it's not anyone. So unhealthy opinions or opinions are always gonna be a part of things. So you've got to learn to deal with them people really and really and truly and get over them. Or you're just not going to be able to do anything. Obviously, last night we got out of jail winning 3-2 in the Premier League. I mean, in the in the Europa League. Um, the one good thing to come out of it is obviously Pepe looked good off the bench. Excluding his goals, Pepe looked very lively off the bench. And you're hoping the two free kicks, the manner in which he scored them, just for the, the way the goals were, that can give him some confidence going into Palace, man. Because if the ideal scenario is he goes into Palace, he makes the difference. He gets a goal or an assist or just puts in a convincing performance and he gets going from then people. I'm not saying he's going to be mentioned in the same vein as Thierry, Burkamp or Perez, but could you imagine if all three of these players were written off after six months? Everybody, Everybody's a big fan of what's that fella's name, man? Um, oh, there was a player that's, a, that's excelling now that struggled when he first... Fabinho. Everybody's saying Fabinho is the man right now and he's this and how central he is to Liverpool and none of that's not wrong. But he needed an adaption period. You get um, Leroy Sane's probably stagnated a bit at City, but people writ him off. And then after six months, and then he played Arsenal, um, and then he got it going. You can't really be right. I'm not saying every player needs six months or whatnot or not ask questions, but it'll be nice to just see him get some time and just let him go. Because I think there's a player in there, man. I think he's shown enough for me that he's going to be a player. He's confident taking people on, good or indifferent form. He's still asking for the ball. Of course, there's been times he should score, like tappings and whatnot. Um, the only criticism I can see of him, and it's not really a criticism, it's just something I've noticed. For as much as I like him, he is clearly very one-footed and that might make him easy to read because I feel at times playing off the right recently, he gets past man and he does good stuff like against Sheffield United. But if you're being cynical, it can be a bit predictable at times. But I'm very happy with Pepe, man. And I hope Pepe's Arsenal career can really get started against Crystal Palace because he's shown glimpses Glimpses against Sheffield. He was okay against United. It was a bit indifferent, but he was okay. Liverpool, he gained a lot of plaudits. Spurs, he was all right. Villa, he scored a penalty and whatnot. Um, he still needs to obviously show a lot more. But 
we're, I mean, we're starting off well, man. And I can't, and, and, and just going back to Arsenal versus Palace, I focused on Ayu, Zaha and Townsend, if fit and whatnot. And, and Ayu, if I haven't said that. But you've also got to remember about, maybe not so much Ward at the at right back, but Van Aalholt on the overlap. You've also got to remember about the engine room. If they go with either or and Canute, MacArthur, Milivojevic, these are very experienced individuals that know how to hold their position, that know when to kind of suck up, suck a punch Arsenal, that know the dark arts of the game, that help remain rigid. So we've got to watch out for them because if you remember, they know how to exploit set pieces and... Milivojevic has, has kind of ruined our days a couple of times. MacArthur scored from a head from a header or, or eventually from a corner last year. So we should know what to do. Set pieces, dead ball situations, long balls over the top, um, corners. We need to make sure we're fixed up from these things because of who we're playing. And more so last week. We went against, a, well, on Monday, sorry. We went against a side that's equally as good in, in them regards, like um, Sheffield United, and we were atrocious on that set piece. That's not a team that does video analysis and all of these things, allegedly, because you don't go and do that and display that sort of woefulness. But that's just me, people. Um, moving on from that, um, it was obvi it's obviously um, nice to see Eddie and Ketty are coming off the bench in, ten, in, in the 10 minutes he got midweek for Leeds. I really want him to start, man, but he seems to be fighting. And I wouldn't say losing battle against Bielsa, but Bielsa is playing favourites in that Bamford's his guy. And I do think we're going to have to review that situation because as long as Eddie keeps doing everything he can do, training well, playing well, um, and still not playing, we're going to have to ask things. Again, Leeds can't necessarily care about Eddie and Ketty because it's not the Eddie show. It's about Leeds' title ambitions. I mean, season ambitions. But it is quite frustrating because if we look at it, this is what he's had to say. It's natural that people argue my decision because they don't have all the reasons I have. I want both of them to be a success this year. We have 46 to 50 games. We are in the first 25 minute. Sorry, we are in the first 25% of the competition. I think that we have time so I can find a way that both of them can shine. If this doesn't happen, it's going to be a mistake of mine. And he's also gone on to speak about the distance that Bamford covers people. I'm not going to bore you with the rest, but from the, the interpretation I get from it is that I think he thinks Bamford gives more to the team. Through nothing of Eddie, I just think he, because he mentioned how Bamford runs more. Obviously, Bam, Bamford's got more experience. I would say Bamford's hold-up play is, more, is better than Eddie's um, and all of that sort of stuff. He's obviously got experience, but he's not really hitting the back of the net, but he clearly believes in him. So all Eddie can do is keep scoring and training well, really, and take advantage when it comes. Um, it is concerning, though, because, I mean, we've been hoodwinked. It seems, it seems we shouldn't allow people to give presentations because we had a presentation from Emre to get this job, and it seems a bit bugged. And Leeds gave us a presentation to get Eddie on loan, and it don't look like Eddie's thing is working out right now, man. We're going to have to review that in, in January. Of course, there's a lot of games to be played, but it is concerning because we want to see Eddie play. I mean, you can't really... How much can you develop, score it coming on and scoring in 10-minute windows or whatnot. You've got to, as a striker, it's good because you've got to make the difference in any situation you're given, but it's not really good for your long-term development, people. It is what it is. Um, so there's not much more to really speak about, man. I mean, I'm, I just hope from this weekend Arsenal beat Palace and that's all I hope for, people. But in relation to the podcast, I'm not going to bore you lot and stay any longer than I need to. So people deluded. Comment, subscribe and do the rest if you wish. I'm out.